Good morning, and welcome to day two of our second Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. Woohoo! My name is Amy G, and I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, February 21st, and today we're reading from the Big Book in Bill's story at the bottom of page seven. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, John K, Jen T, Karen T. The reference numbers for yesterday, 7 a.m. meeting is 9613. And 10 a.m. meeting, 9615. That's 9613 and 9615. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's first tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that the 12 steps and 12 traditions, excuse me, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Sherry KB to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Sherry. Good morning, Amy. This is Sherry KB, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and, had, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. I pass. Great. Thank you, Sherry. If someone needs to their phone, please, that would be great. And just a reminder not to be on speakerphone because that creates an echo for everybody. Thank you. I will now ask for Camille G. to please go ahead and read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Camille G. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Camille. How our meeting works. And I'm going to slow down a little bit here in my excitement of this new meeting. I think I'm tripping over my words here. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story at the bottom of page 7, that last paragraph. And today we are going to um, ask reader number 1, which is John Kay, to go ahead with the reading. And just a friendly reminder, folks, to please uh, keep, keep off speakerphone and your phone muted, and we'll be focused on the last paragraph of the reading. Go ahead, John. Good morning. I'm John Kiernan from Los Angeles, uh, bottom of page 7. They did not need to tell me. I knew, almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining the endless procession of sots who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What I would not give to make amends, but that was over now. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in the bed, that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I was overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. <laughs> Trembling, I stepped from the hospital a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. 
Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink, and on Armistice Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was to become catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Wow. I have to tell you, this is one of the best, uh, most interesting paragraphs in the big book because it goes from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. You know, there's there's two frame, time frames in this uh, paragraph. Uh, there's the sort of present narrative that he has been using, uh, talking as he went along. But then he jumps out to sort of tell us, looking backwards where he is now and how things have changed. And, you know, in this present narrative where Bill is, you know, hitting bottom, you know, and yet he has no idea of what's about to happen. You know, he, he has no idea what that chess game has been played. You know, I always call the beginning of, of AA uh, God's chess game to pull, you know, a piece from, from Carl Jung in Europe over to New York City and then up to, you know, Vermont, et cetera, and then over to Akron. I, you know, I don't know how any of you call that happenstance. Uh, I think it's uh, my higher power played a chess game. Um, and I can tell you, for me, I was in exactly that same space when I came to my first 12-step program. I, I really was ready to uh, end it all, commit suicide. I was just so bleak and with, without any chance. And then I found program. And the thing is, is I, what I found when I came to my to the program was I found hope. You know, I think that end where I was blackest was because I saw no hope. I saw no way out. I had been trying my lifetime to take care of my, my demons, my substances, and it was of no use. And what I heard in one of my first meetings was, you know, John, if you're an addict, no matter what these substances, uh, and you find recovery, the future is limitless. What you do from there on in is almost it's up to you. Everything can be is possible. But if you're an addict and you're still in your substance, you're going to be doing one thing, and that is thinking, where am I going to get the next one? And that was the story of my life, and it really helped me to understand that. And the other thing that my first sponsor said to me is, that, John, you have no idea. You coming in just to stop, stop your substance. There's so much more that you're going to find here. These 12 steps are going to change your life. They're going to change how you perceive life, how you interact with other people, you will stop being your own worst enemy. And that certainly was true. And to be honest with you, putting down those substances, I did that early, but I was still not into the steps, did the program. So, yeah, I was dry. I had stopped eating at times, but I really wasn't into recovery. I hadn't recovered in the true sense of the word because I wasn't you know, stopping being my own worst enemy, and then I was in a massive relapse cycle for a long time. And it wasn't until I really got the food down, that I really got into the steps, and I really got into the big book, things changed. Because, you know, just coming to meetings and, and talking about myself as a group therapy thing, did nothing, because nothing changed, because nothing changed, and nothing did change me, because all I was doing was coming and talking about my problem. And then when people pointed me to the way this is supposed to work and change, that's when things got infinitely better and uh with that okay thank you john 
Okay, so who would like to share on what was read, focusing on that last paragraph? Harlan G. Stephanie N. Karen T. Charles H. Sherry KB. Carol K. Well, hold on a second. I've got Harlan G. I've got Stephanie N., I think. Karen G. Who was after that? Sherry KB. Did you say, oh, Sherry KB. Okay. Charles H. Charles H. Okay, I'll take Kathy uh, R. Nessa R. Kathy R. Kathy R. Got it. All right, there's yes. six books. We'll go with those two. I've got Harlan G., Stephanie N., Karen G., Sherry KB., Charles H., and Kathy R. And again, we're going to focus on page eight, that second paragraph. Okay? Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you very much, Amy, and thank you very much to Team Tuesday. Uh, I'm very, very glad to be here. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And as I look at this paragraph, I see a broken man walking out of the town's hospital. It is early summer 1934, and on November 11th, he is... He is going to play golf. Lois has given him some money. He is going to play golf. He gets on a bus. The bus is going to go to a place in Brooklyn where there's a golf course. And he meets a man that has his rifle, and they're going to the the end of the line where on one side there is a rifle range, and on the other side there is a golf course. And they're traveling together on the bus, and they're talking, and Bill is talking about his alcoholism and that he's been in the hospital twice. And the bus breaks down on the way to the golf course and rifle range. And while the bus is broken down, they send for another bus, and there is a cafe, a bar, right near where they stopped. Bill and this man go in to get some lunch. It is Armistice Day, November 11th, which what we would call today is Veterans Day. A guy comes over and says, were you guys in the service? And they both say, yes. He pours them both a whiskey with no thought at all. After everything Bill had just told this man, he downs the whiskey. And the man looks at him and says, with everything you just told me, you took that drink? Are you crazy? And Bill triggers the allergy and he's drunk again. And he's absolutely off to the races on another bender. Now, when I take a look at this, as John just said, and I get so much out of what John Kay shares, as he just got through saying, in this one paragraph, we're going to go from the alpha to the omega here. He says, everyone was just resigned to the fact that he'd have to be shut up somewhere or he'd stumble along to a miserable end. But there are things going on that he has some knowledge of, but not really, things which have to do with the chess game John talked about, things in Switzerland, things in Vermont, things in, in uh, New York at the Cavalry Mission in New York City, things that are about to move the constellations of God's awesome recovery into our lives today. And he says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. The first dimension is height, then width, then depth, and then the dimension of the spirit. 
I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. There's nothing worse than the illness, but nothing sweeter, more wonderful than the recovery. This is the greatest way of life I've ever known, and this is the most unbelievable, unbelievable renaissance of that way of life here in Vision. Overeaters Anonymous has given me my life, and it's not just about the eating and not eating. It's about every aspect of my life. I'm so glad to be here and so honored for the time that you let me share. Thank you very much, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Harlan G. Go ahead, Stephanie N. Press star one to unmute, please. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, this is Stephanie N. Recovered in Kansas. Um, yeah, this paragraph, fear sobered me for a bit. Um, I remember being fearful enough to, you know, to lay it down for a while and then feeling the fear and picking it back up and just that cycle over and over and over again, um, feeling like I couldn't get any traction, just feeling like I didn't know how to make it stop being in that cycle of, you know, fear leading me to stop and then fear leading me to pick back up. I didn't know how to live before the program. Um, I was so consumed with fixing my outsides. I was just looking at the wrong part. I didn't know until I came into the program that it wasn't the outside that was broken, it was the inside. And that is what the program has given me. It's given me um, a new way of living, a way to be useful and um, to have peace not only um, with others, but in my own self, in my mind, um, just that, that peace, it's indescribable that the, um, the joy that it's given me um, to not be consumed with the thoughts um, and just that, that constant trying to get out, um, get out of that place where I'm going in that that circle, just like being on a hamster wheel. Um, but yeah, the happiness, the peace, the usefulness being rocketed into the fourth dimension. I didn't know what that meant when my sponsor read me the promises when I first started. I thought, wow, what does that mean? Um, but I get it. It's just, it's amazing. And I'm just so grateful for the program and I'm grateful for this meeting. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Karen. Karen G. Okay, Sherry KV, you are up. Good morning. This is Sherry KB. Can I be heard? I can hear you great. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sherry KB, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Over in California. So here we are on page eight. In the paragraph before, he is in step one. He's in powerlessness. And here he is in step two, not step two, but the second paragraph, and he's starting to feel better. And he tells this guy, you know, at the bar who has the gun, and he's got his club, and he's telling him how he used to drink and how he's not drinking anymore. And then all of a sudden he starts drinking. And the guy does say, Bill, are you crazy? What's going on with you? Why? You just told me that you just got out of the hospital and all that. And then he, you know, he's going on, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's back in it again. And to me, this is the, um, this is the mental obsession. You know, I, I know that I am a compulsive reader, 
um, I know that, you know, I don't want to eat. I don't want to do this. But on the way home, I decide I'm going to go on a diet, and I'm on my way home, and I haven't eaten all day, and I've done really well. Next thing I know, I'm pulling into the parking lot to go get that item. And I, I go into my mental obsession, and I, didn't, I couldn't stop myself at all. And until, um, until somebody grabbed me by the hand who has, what, what, you know, has solved the problem, um, little did I know by working these steps that I would be catapulted into the fourth dimension. And that means by working the steps that to know peace and happiness and to feel useful. And as time passes, as it says, you feel more and more useful and more at peace. And what it is to me is that, that connection with a higher power. The whole point to me of this book is unblocking myself to have a relationship with a power greater than myself so that I can, and rather than be a slave to the food, I can be a servant to my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Charles H., you are up. Thank you for your service, Amy. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. And I know everybody's been hitting it up real good, and I really appreciate all the shares. But I'm going to jump down on where it says, everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. I could identify being such a crackhead. And if I had another $20, I would not be probably alive right now. If people didn't say, oh, I'll buy you this uh, Ford, you know, this is a, give me, give me $40, and it was really a 10 and all that. I'm grateful for all that stuff. Because, like Bill, they thought it was over. Like people in my community, it was that guy is done. But but here I do live today, right? They resign means voluntary leaving. I mean, I can remember like, you know, taking that hit and like, and like knowing and making a phone call before I sell the cell phone or sell everything, and, and just said, yo, just put, just lock me up. And you know, and and. You know, nine years later, I'm I'm on the line. I'm working. I'm at work. I'm I'm on uh, I'm on a phone call. I'm on a vision. I'm working with sponsors, and I'm just grateful, right? I'm grateful for that that near death experience because I could I could relate with Bill, like going up hills and valleys from page one to to this page, right? Um, you know, all the sweet resolves and all the sweet promises, and this time I'm going to do it different, and I'm going to come to the town and even make some money. I could identify with all that stuff. Even after, like, going through, going to Montreal and, 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 and his generous friend kicking him out because he was just drinking, he became a lone wolf. Look what he says on page five. Never, I, got this in, I got this written in catch-up in blood mixed with catch-up. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. I, and there was periods of sobriety, but then I would take then would come the insidious um, insanity of that first drink. I couldn't get off that wheel, but I had to get off that wheel first, and then quickly get a spiritual experience, which I experienced on the first um, every single day that my higher power wakes me up by working these steps and by giving it away to somebody else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Karen T., you are up. Please go ahead. Hello, this is Karen T. Can I be heard? I can hear you well. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you to everyone on Team Tuesday. My name is Karen. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Louisiana. And um, I wanted to talk about fear sobered me for a bit. Um, Fear can keep me abstinent for a bit. 
Um, I remember about three years before coming into program, I wanted to look good for a vacation coming up, and so fear kept me abstinent, and I lost weight for that vacation. And then it says, then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. The problem is that fear and self-knowledge will help for a bit, but not all the time, every second of every day. For some reason, this insidious insanity is that we cannot remember that we cannot eat our binge foods or our trigger foods or our trigger behaviors. We cannot remember how important it is to stay abstinent because of this insane, strange mental blank spot. So, um, yes, fear can work for a little while. Pride and fear, in fact, can keep me abstinent for a little bit. But then something happens in my brain. It's an insane thought that I can now eat this food. Um, And how do I get free from that insidious insanity? That's working the steps. Only my higher power can free me from that. My higher power can cure my, my brain so that I can always remember that my body has an allergy. I will always have the allergy of the body. Um, But I uh, will not always have the insidious insanity. Thank you to the 12 steps of OA and to my higher power and a continuing loving relationship with that higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Kathy R., you're up. Star one to unmute, Kathy. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, this is Kathy, our recovered compulsive overeater from Illinois, um, presently calling from Atlanta on vacation. Very grateful to have this meeting. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, I'll keep this brief. I just really appreciate listening to these um, passages from the big book slowly every day and really going into what each of them do and what what each of them represent. And what I was getting out of today's was how absolutely absurd the slipping back into picking up can be for me. And, um, you know, after after he was telling his story to this acquaintance and then just it was put in front of him and he just picked it up without a thought back into it. And I remember coming into this program 25, 26, 27 years ago, without working the steps, I was working a program of stark raving abstinence and lost a lot of weight and went on the speaker circuit and did all of that and did not have a clue what I was doing, but it was so quick to come back. It was so quick to come back. It was, it was the absurd mental twist. Um, I was abstinent through my wedding. I was abstinent through all kinds of things. And then I went on my honeymoon and decided that I could eat a certain thing and it just boomeranged. And from that point on, I never recovered my abstinence. What I also never had at that point was any working um, with a sponsor, any working with the steps, any deeper understanding. I was working a diet. And when I came back into OA um, almost about two and a half years ago now, it was different. I had been really 
beaten to a bloody pulp by this disease. My weight had climbed hundreds of pounds over, which what should have been, and I knew that it was not, it, it was going to be the death of me. It was already affecting my life in very terrible ways. My health was deteriorating. I saw family members ahead of me who were immobile, knew, knowing I was going to be that way very soon. But it still took me over a year to get a sponsor in the program. And it was just desperation that made me say, I can't do this. I, I, was, I kept going back into the food. I kept um, picking up. I kept being completely confused as to why. And something just said, get a sponsor, just get a sponsor. And I was blessed to get a sponsor who worked the big book very strongly and who knew about this vision meeting and turned me on to that. And I dipped my toes into the vision meetings at first, and now I've listened to them every day. And I have to say that it has made a difference. I've also started to sponsor other people and share this vision call with other people. And it, it really has made a difference. So I thank all of you, and I will pass. Thank you, Kathy R. And before we take a few more readers, I'd like to just say a word from our sponsor. In case you haven't heard, we have a vision for you. Drum roll, please. Power of the Big Book Convention 2017, taking place September 15th through the 17th at the Liberty International Airport Marriott in northern New New Jersey. So for all things convention, including we have a, a community bulletin board and contact information for, for questions, check out the Vision for You website, which is www.avision4u, that's the number four, avision4u.info. So please spread the good news. Okay, back to our meeting. Who else would like to share on the second paragraph on page eight? Sylvia. Colleen R. Colleen R. Okay. Marie J. R. Marie K. I'm going to put myself in there. Angie. Who else? Bria Lafitte. I'm sorry, that name again, please? Bria Lafitte. Bria. And your last initial. Okay. L, I think it was. All right, so that's 225. Let's go for one more. Oh, Bria. I got it. Okay, Bria. L. Anybody else? Okay. I've got Sylvia. I didn't get your last initial. You can give that to me in a second. Colleen R., Marie K., Amy G., and Bria L. Sylvia, go ahead, please. Hello, uh, visionaries and uh, Amy G. Thanks, everybody, for being on here the second day of this. uh, I call it the West Coast meeting only because I'm West Coast and I'm self-centered. But I wanted to talk about uh, fear sobered me for a bit. You know, I could really relate to that and, and from what I hear in the meetings, too, is that we all come here from, from fear. You know, it's, it's, by, by the time we get here, it's not a choice. And it's desperation. And, and uh, often in our meetings, I hear the desperation of a health problem, whether, you know, it's, it's our blood sugar is no longer uh, acceptable and we're, you know, we're pre-diabetic or we have uh, incredible weight gain and we're losing our mobility. And, you know, it doesn't matter how we get here. It is fear that gets us here. 
And how we get the next part, you know, getting catapulted into what I'd like to call the fourth dimension, is that that that's the steps, and that's surrendering ourselves, surrendering ourselves to the solution. And so here we have, you know, we're really making the case so that we can all identify how with Bill of how desperate we were, and uh, and so once I get in here. Am I willing to stay desperate for long enough to get the solution? And that's getting a recovered sponsor. That is working the steps and following the directions of the sponsor, um, of surrendering, of, of be will, being willing to believe in a power greater than ourselves. Don't even have to believe yet. Just be willing and know that if you don't, you're going to stay in this disease. You know, And a lot of us, we we come in and we change up our food and we get the weight loss and think we think we're good to go but we aren't we're doing a diet still and we're still in self and what bill is describing here this fourth dimension of existence the happiness peace and usefulness and a way of life that's incredibly more wonderful as time passes we don't get that unless we follow the exact instructions of this big book and for me with a recovered guide through the big book so I encourage you all, if you're newcomers to this meeting or to the Big Book study, that you get yourself a recovery sponsor. I think at the end of this meeting, you'll be able to uh, list as a newcomer and um, and go on our website and get the guide to get through this. My life is miraculously changed one day at a time for many years now. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Colleen R., go ahead, please. This is, Colleen. this is Colleen oh. R. Can I be heard? There you are. Yes. Please go ahead. Hi, my name is Colleen R. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I have uh, I'm a newcomer. I have 21 days, and my sponsor um, put me onto this call right away, and then she was like so excited when you guys were starting this West Coast meeting, and and I am too because I've been listening. Um, the past 21 days or um, not every day, but most days. And it, you guys, this is incredible. This is, you share so much hope and I really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to focus on uh, the last sentence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Ah, what a promise that is um and i have already noticed in the past 21 days more peace and usefulness i'm not i'm not sure about the happiness part <laughs> um when i my first meeting somebody talked about one of my um friends who's in the program talked about freedom the freedom that we get in a way um the freedom from food the freedom from that obsession the obsession to eat, the obsession to stuff it down, the obsession of, you know, for me, sugar. Um, and I've already experienced some freedom. I have two young kids, and, um, you know, I'd be putting them to bed and obsessing over what I was going to eat and wasn't present with them, just, like, get to bed so I can go get whatever I want to get and um, or go take a nap so I can go eat during your nap time and, you know, just eat 
their snacks and eat, you know, they get up and nap. Where's this? Um, oh, we're out of it, you know, and, and they're too young to know that mommy ate the whole thing. And um, so I'm just, I'm I'm feeling a lot of freedom there from that and a lot more peace and a lot more being able to be present with them. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, I'm just starting to get into step one and I'm just looking forward to seeing what, how my life unfolds as a result of being in this program. So I just want to thank you for being here. And um, I really appreciate that you started this 7 a.m. meeting, and I hope to be back soon. Uh, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. I pass. Thank you, Marie Kay. And Amy G., that would be me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I, too, am going to focus on the insidious insanity of that first drink. When you look in the Webster Dictionary, it says here, stealthy, subtle, cunning, crafty, treacherous, artful, sly, shifty. The insidious insanity. I remember being in Overeaters Anonymous for almost uh, probably year three, four, thinking, here he is. I have all of this knowledge. Like Bill knew, you know, to take the drink would be to die. And yet I would find myself in what I used to call my blackout binges. Five bites, standing in front of the refrigerator, five bites into a binge, pounding on the refrigerator, going, how the hell did I get here? I'd had signs on my refrigerator that said, to eat is to die. Don't binge. You know what it does to you. I mean, literal signs. How did I not see those signs when I opened the refrigerator door to put the food in my mouth? But I didn't see it because of the insidiousness of this disease, the progressive nature of this disease. And this is Bill at the end, the bottom before the dark, before the dawn, not understanding with everything that he knew, with all of his willpower, why he could not think when it came to putting that binge or that drunk, that alcohol in his mouth. And it was the same for me with my binge food. I could not think no matter how much I wanted to. And it talks about this clearly on page 24 in the chapter there, Solution. It's in italics. They're trying to tell us something. They're shouting it at us. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. And I will add in there our knowledge. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with a sufficient force the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. I was without defense against the first fight. Talk about not being able to remember with sufficient force of memory a week or a month ago. I couldn't remember 30 seconds ago. Once my mental obsession was triggered, there was no thought. There was no rationalization. As a matter of fact, my thinking was a liability because somehow I either didn't think or I convinced myself that this time I would be able to control it or there was no thought at all. But as others have said, oh, the dark before the dawn, because upon that bottom, upon that foundation of powerlessness, I would surrender to this program and find a freedom and a life beyond my wildest imagination. But I had to hit bottom first. I had to understand and concede to my most self that I was absolutely powerless of my own to fix myself from this disease and from putting my binge foods in my mouth. And with that, I'll pass. Bria L., you are up. And Julie R., if there's time. Okay, Julie. Bria R., uh, go ahead. 
Hi, uh, Bria Lafitte from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, wow. Yeah, um, can I ever relate to that just past share there? Um, I'm just completely, completely powerless and over that first compulsive bite. It's so, so true. <laughs> I think I really need to hear that today. But, um, yeah, going going back to what was read today, uh, fear sobered me up for a bit. And that's true about myself. I have just been discharged from the hospital. I was in there for five months from this disease. I've got so unbelievably sick from it, um, unbelievable health problems. And I had to stay in the hospital for five months. And I'm just recently discharged. And uh, here, here it comes again. I had my health back and I was feeling great. And um, I started taking the reins again. I started trying to control and lead my life. And uh, then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. And for me, it's not, well, I guess for all of us, it's not the insidious thinking of the, the first bite, but it's, it's just, it's with every decision in our lives. Um, you know, I think I lost, I started losing, I lost my sobriety long ago um, before I relapsed just a couple days ago. Um, you know, it was a buildup of me taking my life back on the reins again and me trying to run my life again uh, now that I had my health back and I thought everything was okay and I had control and I could deal with this and I knew what was best and I didn't have to follow the dietitian and I didn't have to follow the doctors I was you know feeling pretty good <laughs> until a couple of days ago and absolute relapse and um, but the thing is relapse just a couple of days ago it started probably since I stepped out of the hospital thinking that I had control again in my life back. Um, so with that, um, yeah, you, this program isn't just about, you know, isn't a food plan. It isn't a diet plan. It really, we really have to work this on a spiritual basis completely and utterly and turning our full lives over to God because, um, well, with for me, what that happens when I try to take the reins again, um, I'm putting one foot into the grave. Um, I'm just going closer and closer to death every time I try to control my life. So, um, yes, I'm just so thankful we have this second meeting here in the mornings as well. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bria. Uh, Julie R., I This is Marie J. I think I got skipped. Marie K., um so sorry. You are absolutely right. Marie, I got <laughs> someone else. I'll tell you what, let's take a couple shares. We've got Marie K, Julie R, and I can take a couple more in the lineup. Does anybody else like to get in on the lineup? All right. Marie K, go ahead, and then it'll be Julie R. I beg your pardon, Marie. That's okay. Thanks. And it's Marie J as in Jacobs. Marie J, go ahead. Thanks. This is Marie J. Um, I'm recovered in Colorado. So happy for this call today. And um, I love this paragraph because to me it is, it's the message of hope. It's the message of hope that no matter what we have gone through and how many times we have gone through it and how many times we have slipped and fallen, we can get up and everyone on this line can recover. It's 
taking the next right action, the step that is in front of us, just taking it and progressing through. And sometimes it's slow and painful, and sometimes it is wonderful, and sometimes we are catapulted into the fourth dimension. And it, at the point that we get recovery, it did seem for me like it was how how dark before the dawn, you know, and then recovery came, enlightenment came, the fourth dimension, the spiritual dimension came. And I achieved happiness and peace and usefulness. And what I've learned in this process, and especially since the vision for you and being able to be in the work every single day, in the book every day, is that I have to be in it every day. I've only got the 24 hours. That's all I've got. And it has kept me so present in being useful every day because that's how I stay in my recovery. And people ask me all the time, well, how do you put in the time? And, you know, busy lives. And, yeah, me too. I have, I have a full-time job. I work days, nights, weekends. I'm, I'm self-employed. I have little kids. that I have twin boys that are nine. And how am I going to fit this in? And the answer is surrender, trust, and reliance. When I'm surrendered and when I trust my higher power and I rely on my higher power, everything gets done. I have more time because I have more sanity, because I have more peace. And suddenly, all the noise in my head gets filtered out when I stay in it every day and make my first priority recovery. So I'm so grateful to have this call and to, to have this work every single day in my life because when I'm in it every day, when I'm sponsoring every day, when I'm on the phone, when I'm on, on the lines, I stay in recovery and I have peace, happiness, and I'm useful. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Marie Kay. Julie R., please go ahead. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. I want to focus on how dark it is before the dawn. Um, how dark it, it's beyond. Um, I can't even describe how dark it was before the dawn. You know, the pain, the disgust, the fear, the absolute humiliation of um, a woman eating so much and unable to stop. Wrappers everywhere, um, gaining rapid weight. I think I gained 70 pounds in four months of the 152 I had lost. Um, and then, you know, the next part of this says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and a usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Yeah, so fast forward to today from October 21st, um, 2014. Yeah, normal body weight, great, you bet. But the freedom the neutrality I have around food. I'm looking at my desk here. I have um, bowls of candy for the engineers because they like it. Um, it it's neutral. I, I, you know, I, I don't want it. I don't fight it because I can never win a fight anyway. But I'm totally free and neutral with the food. So that led me to be able to work on the real issues, my inability to handle life, to, that I couldn't cope with life the character defects that I would go to, the dishonesties, the lies. And now it's like, you know, each night I do my 11-step review and I look back through my day and to see what character defects that I um, engaged in. And some days I don't have any. Woo, yay, God. But, you know, this is, a, this is where progress rather than perfection comes in. Our nightly review, 
it's not with the food because you got to have that entire abstinence. You cannot work these steps being drunk. And, you know, for today, what do I do? I want to be of service. I want to be of service to people I work with. I want to be of service to people in my program. I want to be of service to people in my life, my husband, my children. But I can only do that if I'm totally clean with the food. And I am working these steps. So if there's anybody new on the line, you know, this is the way out. Um, You know, get a sponsor, get a guide, and and go through these steps and live live in the, the action steps, the growth steps. So, yeah, you know, what is the fourth dimension? It's right now here today in my office caring about people, not arguing and trying to be right all the time. So, anyway, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie R. We have time for a few more shares. Who would like to chime in on the second paragraph in page eight of the story? Reggie O. Ressi. Carol J. Carol. Judy S. J. And Judy F. I think uh, that's all we can take today. So, Ressa, please go ahead. Hi, it's Reggie, and thank you. Uh, this is Reggie O in um, Los Angeles area. And yesterday I said, well, what an amazing paragraph. And I say the same thing today. I think they all are. What an amazing paragraph. And uh, you know, that paragraph uh, is many things. And one of them is, you know, it is a, it is a miracle, actually, you know, that, uh, that I think is really great for anyone to hear, especially who has become resigned that there's no way out or... Uh, whatever, whatever that, whatever that situation may be, because um, right here is an absolute what looks like to be a miracle, and you know we we know it is that rocketing into a um, into a fourth dimension where there is happiness, where there is peace, where you know we can I can be of usefulness and service to others. You know there were so many so many years that I just didn't feel I I was empty. I didn't feel like I had anything inside to give, and I kept trying to fill up and fill up and fill up and you know some of the ways I filled up with food you know and the one of the other things that this reminds me of is is powerlessness you know this the, the, the you know the two the twofold nature of of compulsive eating and and the first is that we have an allergy to certain foods uh, an abnormal reaction i'm powerless over that you know there's nothing that i there's nothing i can do to change the fact that once i put certain substance foods in my mouth food substances in my mouth that this reaction this abnormal reaction is going to set up they set up that causes me to crave and go crazy and not be able to uh, not be able to stop eating and then this this talks really about the other issue of powerlessness which is you know in some respects that insanity bill had been it was good to hear the the story that went into this uh but where bill had been sober for a period of time he had been sobered up and cleaned up in the hospital and he was out even telling someone his story and in a moment in a moment he went from one state of (laughs) it's what i used to experience he went to one state of consciousness to another and it reminds me of the you know the the second step came to believe in a power greater than ourselves which could restore us to sanity and because that is that is that is insanity i mean how do you go and how do you go from from one reality to another in a split second and the reality you go into is one that has harmed you over and over and over and over again but the the miracle is the thing to remember that that's what's there when we do work this program you know Surrender, as someone said, to the solution, and the solution is in the steps. And I've heard them put so beautifully before, trust God, clean house. 
and help others. And it's a way of life. It's not something we do and we're done with. And I'm actually glad for that um, because it's a way of life. We just keep doing it and it does keep getting better and living in the fourth dimension. You know, some of the time, a lot of the time is really quite amazing. So it's great to be here and to uh, be able to share. And so, so glad to have this on the West Coast as well as the East Coast at 7 o'clock. Thanks. Thank you, Reggie O. Carol J. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Carol Tay. Can I be heard? I can hear you well. Thank you. Great. Um, so, you know, I can totally relate to this. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken woman, you know, because I had a major medical problem and I had to have this, like, major surgery and my abdomen was huge. I mean, I'm only five foot three. It was over 400 pounds. And so when I walked out of the hospital after, you know, the surgery and everything, I was scared. I was scared to death. So there I went back on another diet again. That's it. I'm finished. No more of these cookies. I'm done with the candy bars. I'm done with all of this. I've had enough. And before you knew it, there I was. The mental twist came. First compulsive bite came, and boom, back into the food. You know, I didn't know anything about this program at the time, so I always went on diets, diets. That's all I knew. And so... Anyhow, the last sentence, I love this last sentence because when I came into this program, I came into this program looking for a diet that worked. I had no clue um, until like two years ago about this program. So this last sentence is amazing. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. And you know what? I'm married for 34 years. For 33 years, I've been unhappily married. And I could finally say this past year, I am happily married. And I'm so grateful for this, this book. The 164 pages in this book saved my life. That's all I could say. I live and I breathe in these 12 steps each and every day. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I make mistakes every day? Absolutely, yes. But that's when a 10-step comes in. You know, I have a program now of action that I could take instead of taking that first bite, and I'm so grateful. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Carol. Judy, we got about two minutes. If you could shorten it down, that would be great. Please go ahead. That's, that's great, Amy. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, great. Uh, Judy F., Compulsive Reader Recovered. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Great to be here. I'm actually at the airport heading home. I was uh, reflecting on catapulted into um, a fourth dimension and the steps keep catapulting me and um, my experience this past week my mother has taken a turn and um, her Alzheimer's and her health has gotten a lot uh, worse and it was very hard difficult to see her zombie-like and I was with my sister and I can be triggered and working the 10th step working the first step that I'm powerless uh, and working 10 steps, leaving my sister, it was just beautiful. And we had a family meeting with the healthcare team at the nursing home and we were on the same page. We were such a great team. And that's why I keep coming. I've been over 25 years abstinent and in recovery. And it's these moments and these experiences that I have peace in my family and I, I come from a very dysfunctional family and yet I have peace with all my siblings and we are doing the best for my mom and 
I'm, I'm just overjoyed because of the power of God. So if we keep working the steps, keep showing up and leaning into our higher power, it gets better and better, and there's more and more light in my life daily. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Judy F. And with that, I would like to thank everyone who has shared, especially our readers, John K., and all those who have shared, and Sherry KB and Camille G. as well, and Jen T. and Karen T. on standby. We'll now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Serenity Prayer. Jen T., could you please go ahead and read a vision for you? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is Jen T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic from Rockland, California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.